Alex quickly stepped through the doorway before she could change her mind. She expected to hear the crunching noise of dried leaves under her feet, but instead the ground disappeared and suddenly, impossibly, she was catapulted through the air. The wind rushed past her, whooshing by her ears as she flew along at what felt like the speed of light. Just when she thought she might throw up, everything stopped. Alex's heart thumped wildly in her chest. She lay spread-eagled on the ground but had no idea how she'd landed. Her eyes were shut tight, but she could feel the leafy forest floor underneath her. She could smell the woody scent of pine cones, and she could hear noises, branches creaking, birds singing, wind whistling through the trees. Hesitantly, she opened her eyes and looked around, finding herself lying in the middle of a forest clearing she'd seen through the doorway. But the doorway itself, and the administration building, were nowhere in sight. The good news was that her airborne journey had somehow dried out her sodden clothes and hair. She wasn't even damp anymore. The bad news was that she had no idea where she was or how she was supposed to get back. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hi, and welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. My name is Olivia. I'm Connor. And I'm Jenna. And we're from Year 9 of Central Coast Grammar School. We're here with young adult author Lynette Noni, author of the novel Whisper and Madron Chronicles, a series that begins when a 16-year-old girl steps through a doorway and finds herself stranded in a fantasy world. Welcome, Lynette. Thank you for having me. For those who haven't read the Medoran Chronicles, can you tell us how the series starts? Definitely. Well, the Medoran Chronicles is kind of like Harry Potter meets Narnia and X-Men combined. Uh, It's about a 16-year-old girl called Alex who finds herself stranded in a fantasy world called Medora. Uh, While she's there, she goes to a school for supernaturally gifted teenagers while she searches for a way back home. So there's all kinds of problems that come at her. The school itself has classes like combat and archery, and it's got a talking library that is really strange and opens doorways to stranger places, and there's a very, very bad person who kind of wants to help in taking over the world. Um, So, you know, she has a few problems that she has to sort her way through, and that's just in the first book alone. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of action and adventure, and um, pure escapism at its finest. Why did you choose to write young adult fiction, and what do you love writing about for that audience? I love young adult books. I feel like there is so much potential in them. The the whole concept of... uh, you know, being at a point in life where you are going through so much change and there is so much happening and it can be really exciting. Uh, and so I've always read young adult books. I always gravitated to them as a reader. And it got to a point in time where I was reading so many of them, but they all had different elements that I wanted in one book and I couldn't find that book. So I decided to write the book I wanted to read. And naturally, that was a young adult book. Naturally, it was a fantasy book. And Alex kind of wrote herself onto the pages and, yeah, it just blossomed into a carne. The phrase embrace the wonder seems to be a catchphrase of yours. Um, What does this mean to you? Yeah, that was actually, I still have no idea how that happened. It's just kind of, it was a line that was said in the book by the sentient talking library. And it was, uh, you know, this, this concept that this girl from our world, who everything from over here is completely 
you know, she's used to everything here. So suddenly in a fantasy world where at the tap of like a touchscreen terminal, things appear or, you know, you can smash a vial to the ground and it will create a bubble door that you can step through to go to other places. These are not normal things to her. So one way to get around that and to keep the story going is just to remind her that, okay, you're in a new world. There are new rules here. And that concept of embrace the wonder is, okay, you may not understand what's going to happen. Just embrace it. Just try and enjoy it. And um, so that was a message to Alex, but it's since developed into this thing where it's almost to my readers as well and across the entire series as Alex has had to keep going, but also to people who are reading it and going with her, embrace the wonder of this journey, embrace the the good times and the bad times and just sort of uh, roll with it and see where it goes. So it's, it's really, the tagline was never intended to be a tagline, but it certainly developed that way. Um, and I'm really, I mean, I love it. It's a great, it's a great three <laughs> sharp, snappy words. So woo. <laughs> where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, my inspiration comes from anywhere, really. Um, and I say that in a very serious sense. I could be watching, uh, have you, if you've seen that like insurance ad on TV with the meerkat Russian <laughs> little furry, you know, insurance guys, um, I'll be watching that and I'll be, they'll just be like, Russian meerkats and I can't do accents and that's terrific. <laughs> but they'll be there and they'll be talking about insurance and I'll suddenly be like, I need to write a pirate book. And it'll come out of nowhere. <laughs> Suddenly this plot will start happening and it has nothing to do with insurance or meerkats, but it's, you know, the inspiration is there. Or I'll be walking along the street and I'll be looking at, like, a power pole and on the power pole, and you'll all go out and notice this now, but there's, like, numbers on the power poles. And I'll be like, what if you hit those numbers in a specific order and then suddenly like the ground opens up and there's a secret society of something underneath here and you go off and do I don't know nothing ever makes <laughs> sense um but my inspiration comes uh randomly and sporadically I was at lunch today and suddenly I wanted to write something about I can't even remember now this is why you should write these ideas down but um yeah inspiration it's kind of it hits you and it hits you hard <laughs> how do you develop your characters I love character development. It's probably my favourite part of writing. Um, I have a degree in human behaviour, so I'm really focused on on how people think and how they act. Um, but I, I personally love to use dialogue as character development. I think it's a great tool because otherwise you're just sort of, you're so focused on the one character and you're sort of getting what you're told. Whereas if you have dialogue between two characters you get to see how they interact with someone else how someone else treats them how they treat others and you learn more about them I'm doing like crazy hand gestures here <laughs> like I'm dancing um but they spiral outwards and um and I just love dialogue and I love how the way someone speaks can tell you about them too. If they're older, they might talk more proper. If they're younger, they might be more casual. Or it could be the other way around and that's always interesting too. So um, I do love developing characters and I very much, you know, you also don't just use dialogue. Other ways to do it is to put them into a really difficult situation and see how they work their way through it. And often it can be doing horrible things to your characters that can really help them shine through that. Or lovely things too if you want to be nice. So either, however it goes, I just, I love developing characters and mm. probably do it too much. I think, you know, my editor's like, okay, let's focus more on the world building now. I'm like, but the characters. Yeah. So, so yeah. how do you make, like with the characters and all, how do you make them each unique? Um, that's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess it's in the same sense that every single human being you ever meet is different. Uh, they might have things that make them alike to each other uh, or things that are similar, but 
at their very core, no two people are the same. And the same is true for characters. And often as a writer, you have to sometimes go to extremes to make them a little bit more obviously different. Otherwise, it can get... I've read books before where it's confusing because everyone is... You kind of feel like everyone is the same, even their names are kind of the same and you're not quite sure or you can't differentiate between them. Uh, so it's just important to, I guess, remember at our core, we're all human and the characters you're creating are human, or if they're not human, they're still a character that you're creating and to just try and give them quirks. Uh, but also I think flaws are a big part of it. It's really important to flaw your characters because they're the parts that we can relate to on a uh, connection level. And so it really helps to flaw them, make them real and make them relatable. Um, so how do you connect with your characters as you're writing them? Um, I think... Oh, it's going to make me sound like a complete nutcase. Um, they <laughs> they kind of come alive, I guess. You know, these are essentially people who are in my head and I feel like a lot of the time it's almost like they're writing the story for me. They make it very clear if the book is going in the direction that I want that they might not want. So, for example, all the other way around, recently I wrote um, I wrote the sequel to Whisper and at one point in the story I just had to back away from my computer and go, no, 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 stop it. Because my main character was just kissed by someone who I had no intention of ever there being a kind of that kind of plot between them. Um, and so I was like, stop it, stop, stop, stop now, stop. And obviously I wrote it and so it's weird, but at the same time I was like, this is not my plan, let's back up a few steps and but it worked out really well, uh, but it still wasn't. It still surprised me, and so stuff like that. The characters kind of branch off into their own organic, I guess, creation of how things happen, and that happens a lot with the Medoran Chronicles. I had to really trust my characters to get me through that, especially in the later books, as things happened that were not expected on my part, um, and I had to trust them to guide me through some of those things. Like the entire third book, not planned. There's something that happens in that that, <laughs> yeah, you all know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. That surprised me. When that happened, I'm like, I can't, I don't know how Poor to deal bam. with this. <laughs> um, and so ever since that point in time, I've just had to be like, right, just let's just write it and go where the characters take me. Uh, if the Medoran Chronicles were to be made into live action, who would you cast as your main characters? I'm really terrible with names, but I get asked this a lot, um, and so I'm going to give a really terrible answer for this podcast, and that's that I've put a thing up on my website that has, like, pictures of people, because um, I don't even know if they're all actors and actresses and stuff, but it's really difficult because I think, I think the thing about a book-to-movie adaptation is when you read a book, you don't just get a face and a body shape, you get the internal part of a character, and so bringing that essence and that spirit alive is probably more important than making sure they've got the same colour hair or the same colour eyes than the character. Um, and so I'd want I'd want that. I'd want Jordan to be mischievous and quirky and fun and I'd want uh, Alex to be confused and adventurous <laughs> and brave but really just confused. Um, and I'd want, you know, DC to be antagonistic and um, but, you know, the dual character of what she becomes and I'd want Avon especially would be important to have, you know, knowing what happens with him later on in the series you'd want to see hints of that early on. So things like that don't necessarily have anything to do with how they look, so it's really hard to cast them. Just continuing on with the character theme, which character from the Medoran Chronicles do you connect most with? <laughs> so um, I'm around a lot of authors who get asked who's your favourite character a lot, and they all have great answers, like as if I could choose one of my favourite children, you know. Um, that's not true for me. I have favourites. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, up until the third book, um, Jordan was always my favourite uh, in the Medoran Chronicles because in the very first version of Akane, 
unpublished. He was the first person Alex met in Medora. She met him before she met Avon. She met him without Bear. And so he was her first point of contact in the series. Uh, but since editing, you now meet Avon and Bear at the same, like, as well. Um, and so up until Drake Horror, it was always Jordan. Um, but then Nikes came into the screen, like, in Drake Horror. And he was never meant to be a main character. He surprised me beyond words. And so with his character that developed and then everything that happened all through Greyvale and then later on in what comes next as well, it's just so... uh, I just really connected with him. He was such a complex character. Is he good? Is he bad? How is this relationship between him and Alex happening? Um, And just the, I guess, the the healthy nature of the relationship too. So... um, and as like the mentoring kind of it. So he really, he surprised me in a great way. And I just, I love writing every scene with him and also rereading every scene with him. Yeah, now that you bring that up, on the way down here, we had sort of a pronunciation battle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we were debating whether it's like Nix or Nikes. That's okay, everyone debates that. Everyone debates that and the titles of the books as well. The pronunciation is just weird all over the place. Okay, I know I'm wrong. (laughs) I pronounce it um, Akane before I did it. You know, I would say 70 or 80% of people do pronounce that. But the R is after the... <laughs> I'm like, wait, how did I spell it? Yeah, the K comes first, but a lot of people, I don't know why, for some reason, maybe it's the foil, um, but it does, yeah, definitely a carne, but I don't care. I mean, I, as the author, I just love that people are reading it. If they pronounce the characters strangely, if they pronounce the book strangely, it's okay. I did that with like Hermione, like from Harry Potter. I was, it took me until like the fourth book when it's actually spelt out for Victor Crom. And I was like, Hermione, uh, Herm, uh, Herm, I've got nothing. I've got no idea. Um, so yeah, I really don't mind. If you could choose any gift, Ooh. what gift would you have? Of the ones that are in the books already? Or of any gift ever? Any, any gift ever. Any gift. Hmm. Um, sort of makes it more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it more difficult because there's some pretty cool gifts that come into the final book, and I can't give any spoilers Whoa. away. So I'm going to say to cover that, I will say I would like Caden's gift, and I won't say what that yes. is again for spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, because of reasons, I would go with his reasons. gift that I, you fir- yes, find out yeah. in the fourth book in yes, Greyvale. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. only just discovered his ah, gift. There you go. <laughs> she like read the, she's reading the fourth book on the way. Ah, brace yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. They were tears shed. I, I can tell you that. She's crying. Do you have any clue as to what your um, Akane class rankings would be? My personal yeah. opinion. <laughs> we all agree we'd be like alpha in PE. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no way. I would be, yucks. Um, four. I would not be epsilon in anything. Um, maybe, maybe I did grow up competing in horse riding, so I mm. might be an epsilon equestrian, but I still don't think, I don't think I'd want to be an epsilon. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everything down down the bottom. Maybe chemistry would be up a little bit higher. I don't know. I would not survive like a day <laughs> in a car day. Like I would just not, you know. Yeah, not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you develop a character first, or would you develop like a backstory, then add a character to the backstory that you develop? Sometimes both, uh, but often I would more gravitate to the character first. So especially if I'm starting to write a book from scratch, when picking a main character. 
uh, I would really have to connect with the character. So a good example is the very first version of Akane. Uh, when I started writing Alex, you know, I'd never written a book before. I didn't know the first thing about it. And I was just like, oh, what's the 16-year-old girl going to be like? Oh, she's probably angsty and moody and okay. Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, and so I started writing this girl who was just hideous to be like, there's nothing wrong with her, but she was in my head as this kind of all over the place uh, spectrum of emotions. And I'm like, I need someone who's going to be able to get through what I'm going to put you through. Um, so I went back and I scratched her and then rewrote her, gave her a kind of a personality overhaul. And she became this character who was, you know, strong of will and courageous and brave, but really, really so very human and so very flawed. And she has to work very hard to get to a point where she can do what she does. And, um, yeah, she was, it was, I had to connect with her on that level to be able to then create her story. So yeah, like, what you said with Alex, like you had to describe her personality, but was Alex always Alex? Like, was her name always destined to be Alex? She was always Alex. When I first started writing, I had this thing about names having power. So the name Alexandra means uh, defender of mankind. Uh, so then the name Darius means upholder of good. The name Avon means... Spoilers, never mind. <laughs> um, you know, so like a couple of the main characters had, you know, names that, yeah, had names that meant stuff. So her name is always Alexandra. And funny story, I've never shared this, but this was kind of just after Twilight came out and Bella Swan had such a pretty name that I was like, I'd just like my character to have a normal name. Most people, like 90% of the world have normal names. What's a normal surname? Jennings. Why not? So I just went with Alex Jennings and um, it stuck. <laughs> So um, with, like, the relationships, like, all of the relationships, do that, does that come, does that form while you're writing the book or do you have that pre-planned before you? Yeah, a lot of it forms while I'm writing it. It depends on how characters interact. This series was never about the romance. I mean, there's, we're up to, what, book four Five, and there's four. not even any kind of kiss or anything. Like, there's nothing. So I get asked a lot of questions about the romance of this series that is not at all about <laughs> the romance. And I find it hilarious because everyone is so fixated on the romantic elements when there is none of it in there. So, um, yeah, or at least not up until around now. Um, and so, yeah, it really fascinates me, especially when I hear who people want to be with other people because... All the ships. There are so <laughs> many ships, yeah. There's even, you know, for anyone who knows, it won't give anything away, but there's a ship between Avon and the tree. And I'm not going to say any more than that, but if you've read Dracora, you'll understand. And it is the weirdest thing ever, and it's hilarious. So, um, yeah... Ship it. Yeah, <laughs> no. What, what is it, Treven? Hashtag Treven. I don't even know what this is. Trending on Twitter. Brilliant. Oh. <laughs> you wrote the last book in the Midoran Chronicles in just 26 days. Um, Why do you think you were able to write it so fast? Um, I was very, I mean, I had the time at the time and I knew I had deadlines coming up, so I only had a specific period of time. But so much happens in that book that I was so focused on it. I was so in the world and I have a terrible memory, so I write fast anyway. Otherwise, I keep writing the same thing over and over. And then when I'm editing and I'm like, this has been said 15 times. Um, but with Vardasia, I, I just, I needed to know what would happen. You know, I'd gotten to this point with my characters and what they'd been going through. And it's the final, final, you know, everything's built up to this book. And so I was desperate because I don't plan with this series or after the third book, I didn't. I just need to know who was going to win, who was going to lose, who was going to die, you know, who was, you know, all these things. And I needed to know them. And so I was just desperate to write. And so I would write for, oh man, I, one day I think I wrote for 20 hours straight. Like I just 
um, I think I hashed out 18,000 words in one day and that was like the last day of writing it and just to, because I couldn't stop because I needed to know. And um, yeah, so a lot of it was just a desperation to find out what would happen. Can you tell us about your latest release, We Three Heroes? Yeah, so We Three Heroes is, we're kind of calling it book 4.5 in the Midoran Chronicles because... Uh, it was originally meant to be just a five-book series and I slitted a new one in. Um, so it's technically book five, I guess you could say. It's a novella collection. It's three novellas from the three best friends of Alex. So it's Jordan, DC and Bear. And so with DC's story, which comes first, we find out her backstory, how we meet her in Akane when she's 16 years old, but we in We Three Heroes, we meet her when she's uh, 14 and just about to... Well, she starts at the academy, so we learn about her early time there and what happened to make her the person who we first meet, who is not very nice. Uh, and so we learn about what created that person. Uh, in Jordan's story, we see him as he goes through like the post-traumatic stress and the uh, kind of the really difficult comeback from what happens to him at the end of the second book in the series and through the third book into the beginning of the fourth book. So it's how he deals with that, how he bounces back or how he heals from that, I guess you could say. And then Bear's story bridges the gap between Greyvale and Vardasia, which comes out in February. And it's a, it's a, it's like more of a war focus. We see what Bear is doing uh, that Alex has no idea about the way he's helping to make the war, uh, to, well, to battle against the war in his own way. And some really interesting, we learn, we learn a lot of things that we don't learn in the main series. Um, including how the friends react to hearing the prophecy that's over Alex. So it's a lot of really integral, important stuff, which then flows straight into the final book. So uh, what kind of books were you reading in high school? Oh, I used to love reading. Oh, I still love reading. <laughs> um, I meant in high school. Um, I probably started reading Harry Potter when I was in high school, and so that launched me into fantasy. And so, uh, like, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Narnia in general, I loved those books. I read... Um, Juliet Marilia's Seven Waters trilogy. It was around that time, I think. Um, Raymond E. Feist, magician. Um, so a lot of I I gravitated from Harry Potter up into higher fantasy, um, and then prior to that was like the Saddle Club. So <laughs> that was prior to the fantasy. I moved straight onto that, and um, yeah, a lot of anything that was even relatively fantasy. Trudy Canavan's Black Magician trilogy. Um, just anything really. Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. Okay, so. The, the big question here is, do you doggy ear your pages, bookmark your pages, or just remember the page number? I definitely do not doggy ear my pages. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> I also have a terrible memory, so I would never try to remember it because I would then just have to flick through and start all over again. Um, so, so I bookmark my pages, but it doesn't have to be with a bookmark. It can be with like a piece of paper or a receipt yes. or anything that's flat. Um, sometimes a bobby <laughs> yeah. pin if that's lying around, but... Uh, yeah, bookmark all the way. Bookmark. But often I'll read a book in one go, so it's not always yeah. needed. So, yeah. It's a bit of a weird question. It's random. I've been asking a whole heap of people. But would you rather have a finger-sized leg or a leg-sized finger? Oh. <laughs> I have a, a, a question back for you after this. Um, a finger-sized leg or a leg-sized finger? No, I, neither. Um, neither. Can I just say neither? <laughs> My question is, would you rather have a wooden leg or be followed by three ducks for the rest of your life? Three, three ducks, ducks. Three 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 ducks. 
Whisper and the books in the Rodoran Chronicles are now out from Pantera Press. Thank you so much for joining us, Lynette. Thanks so much, you guys. Bye!